everyone. Welcome back to Ascend Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18 reads, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him, saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner." I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now they were bringing even infants to him, that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And the ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, All of these I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come. Follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, Then who can be saved? But he said, What is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said, See, we have left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of this kingdom of God, who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. And taking the twelve, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day he will rise. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging, and hearing the crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. For the nugget of truth for our passage today, I'd really like us to focus in here on the first part of this chapter, as I am 100% convinced that we can never focus on or talk too much about prayer. Why I say that is it's one of those things that I think that we do it 
a lot less often than we really think. And so I think that if we focus in on prayer, hopefully focusing in on passages like this can help encourage us on why we need to pray and how we pray to our loving Savior. And so in this passage here, these first eight verses, they tell a parable about this woman who is trying to get a judge to hear her request. She seeks justice from an adversary or somebody who has done something against her, but the judge does not initially give that to her. But she continuously brings that request before that judge, so much to the point that the judge says, I'm not really a person who cares about what's going on here, but because this person keeps bothering me, I'll give her justice because she will not stop asking. It says here, she beats me down with her continual coming. And so... The parable is instructing us on the need for us to be consistent in our prayers and not to give up. As we draw back to verse 1, it says to the effect that they ought always to pray and to not lose heart. And I think that one of the things that we do is we often will pray for something, but we won't continuously pray for that until that situation has been resolved or until our will has been brought in alignment with God's will. We might pray for it once, but we give up when it seems like it's too hard. So one of the ways that I see this most often is, is we're praying for opportunities to evangelize friends or family. We pray for that opportunity right before we know that we're going to see that person, or when we think that we're going to have an actual opportunity to share the gospel with them, we're really going to be focused on that. But we usually will stop praying for that afterwards. We won't continuously pray for the things that we don't feel like God has answered. And so I think part of that is our losing interest more than our losing heart. Our interests are divided and focused on many other things, and we don't consistently pray for those things. And so he's saying that this person who comes consistently praying for that, how much more will a loving God find favor and find the desire to hear what his people are praying and to listen to what they cry out to him day and night. He says, God loves you so much. If this unjust person who is listening to this request is willing to do this and willing to respond and willing to step in, how much more will our loving Father do that? So it reminds us of our importance of being consistent in praying for the things that we desire to see God do. One practical thing that you might find to be very useful in helping you as you do this is to write down the prayers that you have. And so I'm not talking about writing down the dinnertime prayers or the bedtime prayers that you're doing that are maybe just uh, specific things that you're praying through, but keep a list of the actual large items that you're praying for. Maybe it's people's salvation. Maybe it's the missionaries that are around you. Maybe it's people's health or different social situations, whatever it is. Keep praying for that. Write it down. And as you continue to build from that list, look back and see how God has either answered those prayers or continue to pray for them as you wait an answer for that. I believe that's what this passage is teaching us, to be persistent and consistent in bringing our requests before the Lord day and night so that he's able to see the desires of our heart and to shape our will and our desires into his will. As far as a question for this passage, I want us to really focus here on verse 34 of chapter 18. Here it says, but the disciples understood none of these things. The saying was hidden from them and they did not grasp what was said. And it's talking about how Jesus is foretelling his death for a third time. And so how is it that the disciples aren't picking up what Jesus is putting down? How is it that they're missing the point of what's there? I think it's important for us to understand that the disciples 
disciples were viewing the coming of the Messiah in terms of a single event that would take place. And so now we understand that there's the first and the second coming, but they were seeing all events taking place in that first coming. So they would in no way believe that their Messiah would be shamefully treated, he would be flogged, he would be killed, he would be crucified, any of those things. They saw the Messiah as coming in to set up the earthly rule of God once again on earth and for that to be final rule that takes place as we understand in the second coming of God in heaven. So the disciples, as well as others in that time, are missing that distinction between the two comings of the Messiah. So that's important for us to understand in this context. That's why they would say, hey, this is not really what's going to happen. They wouldn't really think much of it because they were so focused on what they believed to be true that they were blinded by the truth that was being presented to them. So maybe that was your question today. Maybe you have a different question. Whatever it is, we want you to seek out a way to answer that question. Use the tools around you, the people around you to find the opportunity for you to understand what God's word is saying and to be able to build from that each day as you grow in your love for him. Know today you were loved.